good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We were sharing with our church this morning uh, from the book of 1 John. John speaks to the church there in verse 3. And he says to them, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto yeah, you. And then he says, why? He says, that you also may have fellowship with us. Why, why, why is that? Well, because we're having fellowship with God the Father. Amen? He says that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good place to stop and just say amen right there. But John, John didn't stop. He went on and said, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And, and I'll tell you what, it blesses my heart to know, dear friends, first of all, that we can have fellowship with God the Father. Uh, Mel, we were talking about that place that day that we're headed to. I'll tell you what, it's not just a place of no more sorrow and no more suffering. I want you to think about this. It's a place of no more sin. Amen. That thing that we struggle with right now, that weight which so easily besets us oftentimes, God is going to put that away from us as far as the east is from the west. It's buried in the, in the grave of his forgetfulness, and it will never rear its ugly head again. Amen? I'm looking forward to that, a time of unbroken fellowship with God the Father. And if you're here tonight and you don't know about the fellowship that we have with God, my prayer is that you will before we leave this place tonight. Amen. If you have a Bible with you tonight, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Revelation in chapter number 4. The book of Revelation, chapter number 4, if you found your place there, say amen. Amen. And this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on that throne. And immediately uh, I was in the Spirit, behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads uh, crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. 
And when these beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy uh, to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood uh, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made unto us... Uh, and thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast uh, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Lord, we come before you tonight and we ask, Father, for your presence to be here with us this evening. Lord, we we know that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. Lord, and I'm reminded of the words uh, that you gave to Timothy through the Apostle Paul. Uh, Lord, when you said, we know that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. We know that God was manifest in the flesh, that he was justified in the spirit, that he was seen of angels, that he was preached unto the Gentiles, that he was believed uh, in the world and received up into glory. And Father, our prayer here tonight is that you would help us to see this great mystery and uh, Lord that you would see us help us to see him there seated in that place in the name of Jesus we ask this together amen and amen 
I believe, uh, dear friends, that it's good for us, uh, if you're able to, to remember the Bible by chapters. Uh, many of us know that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 are the chapters about creation. We remember that Genesis chapter 6 through 8 are the chapters about the flood. Uh, many of us know that uh, Psalm chapter 119 is all about the word of God. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter and so forth and so on. And I'm telling you here tonight that Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are the chapters about the throne. About the throne of God. And we saw here, uh, first of all, a few things I want to point out that in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, first of all, they begin at the throne. Chapter 4 and verse 2 said, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, there was a throne that was set uh, there in heaven. Not only do they begin at the throne, but they also end at the throne. We read there in verse thir uh, 13 in chapter 5, where it said that uh, unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Over 40 times in the book of Revelation, the throne is mentioned. And I want you to know that just in chapter 4 and 5 alone, the throne is mentioned 17 times. Now... <laughs> I believe it must be pretty important to God. Amen. And if it's important, if it's important to God, we ought to sit up and take notice. He's got something to say. And so before we move any further, let's just think for a minute exactly what a throne is and who it is that belongs there. We know the throne is a seat of honor. It's a seat of power. It's a seat of authority, and it's a place where the person of authority sits and reigns and resides. The first throne that we see in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 41, as a matter of fact, when Pharaoh is speaking to jo Joseph, and he says to Joseph, I will be second to you only in the throne. Right. He was making uh, Joseph a, a, a person of great authority and power, but Pharaoh had more power because he was the one on the throne. Now, I'll tell you today that every place has a throne. Yeah, that's right. There's not a place on the face of this, this earth that does not have a throne. And not every nation calls their, uh, their, their government a, a kingdom. Not every nation has a king. But I'm telling you that every nation has a throne. And every place on the face of the earth has a throne. And they have one that's set on it. And not only does every place have a throne, but I believe tonight that every person has a throne. Every person has a throne in their heart, a place where there is a person of authority that sits on that throne and has all power uh, in their lives. And the person who rightfully sits on the throne is the one who does have absolute and sovereign power. Amen. Can we agree on that tonight? Amen. So uh, in the book of Kings, now when you're looking at the Bible, you'll hear probably more about thrones other than here in, in Revelation 4 and 5. I think of the book of First and Second Kings and the First and Second Chronicles, right? Because it, it gives us the account of the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah. I believe the nation of Israel, I believe there were 19 kings that they had uh, that are listed there in, in our Bible. And Judah had 20. Uh, and we know that some of those kings were rightful kings and good kings, but many of them were not. Amen. Right. And um, thrones were not distinct to the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, even in our Bibles, we read of, of people like King Ahasuerus. We, we, we read about Herod. We know about Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh and Caesar. And every single one of these men had a throne uh, that they ruled upon. And that's not to mention the secular world that we live in uh, that has thrones, has had them in the past. They have them now and they will have them in the future for a while. 
But I'll tell you, there's coming a day when all the thrones of the earth will be cast down except for one. Amen. The problem with thrones, and we understand this from the book of Daniel, is that when men are on the throne, their hearts are lifted, their minds are hardened in pride, and they glory in themselves. Think about that just for a minute. When men are on the throne... Uh, Their hearts are lifted up, their minds are hardened in pride, and they glory in themselves. There's a story in the New Testament, and for the sake of time, I don't don't want to go through the story tonight, but I'll tell you about it. In 1 Kings chapter number 1, there's a story about the fourth son of David, a man by the name of Adonijah. And the Bible says that when the king was old and on his throne... Uh, that he was in a place, David was, was, was in the days and the weeks that were leading up to his uh, departure. Sis, you talked about Junior. I got to see him yesterday, by the way. It was good to see him. He's not worried about his departure, by the way. We're going to miss him, but he's not going to miss this place once he gets there. King David was drawing near. And as David was drawing near to his departure, he had a son that had planned to take the throne. The problem with this son of his that had planned to take the throne was the throne was not his to take. And uh, this man, we we understand by reading there that he had a lack of respect. He didn't respect his father. By the way, his father was still alive. Uh, This sort of reminds me a little bit about the the story of the prodigal son that wanted his inheritance while his dad was still here. Well, you talk about a slap in the face. I'll take my inheritance now. This young man wanted the throne now. He didn't respect his father. As a matter of fact, he had a, he had a lack of humility because the Bible tells us that Adonijah exalted himself, saying that I will be king. He had a problem with respect. He had a problem with humility. And he also had a problem with counsel because he ignored and put away those that would give him godly counsel. He went about the nation of Israel exalting himself, uh, but, but the true priest and, and the king and Nathan the prophet and all of those who had given him godly counsel he ignored them and, and did not include him, them in his plan. And Adonijah, oh, he, there was pomp and yeah. ceremony yeah. as he began to try to claim this throne for himself. But I'll tell you what happened. Uh, the men of God got word of what was going on. And those mighty men of David and, and uh, the family got word. And, and, and this is the question that they asked David. David had no idea any of this was going around. And they went to David. They went to the true king. And they asked this question. Who shall sit upon the throne? Who shall sit upon the throne? I want to ask you a question here tonight as we're gathered here. Who every, I told you that every place on the face of the earth has a throne. Every person that has ever lived has a throne on their heart. I want to ask you, who is going to sit on that throne? Well, that's a question that we ought to ask today. Who it is that's going to sit upon the throne? I want you to know, first of all, that there is a rightful person that ought to be on that throne. There is one that has absolute power. He is sovereign. There is one that ought to be on that throne. But dear friends, I'm telling you, he is not always on the throne. And before you think I'm talking about people uh, that don't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are a number of people that claim the name of Jesus yet he is not fully on the That's throne right. of our lives. Amen. How do we know that? Well, it manifests itself yeah. in our lives, in the decisions that yeah. we make on a daily basis. Yeah. Every one of us are faced with choices on a daily basis, and we think those choices are where are we going to go and what are we going to do and how are we going to spend uh, the money that we've been entrusted with, how are we going to steward the relationships that we have. But friend, I believe that we can boil every one of those decisions down to just one who's sitting on the throne. 
Who is sitting on the throne and does he really have supreme power and authority in our lives? Adonijah and other ones like him struggle with respect and humility and wise counsel. And we know also uh, from the book of Daniel that all the thrones of men, as I said earlier, will be cast down and the ancient of days will sit upon that throne. Amen. One day the Lord is going to come in great power and glory and he will be sitting upon that throne. But right now the earthly thrones that are here are temporary things. And we know that because we see people ascend the throne and it's not long before they perished away right. and there's another one that's, that's sitting right. on the throne. Amen? The, the things of this world, the thrones of this world are temporary. And one of the questions that I thought about when I was reading this is why in the world do we want to entangle ourselves with... Uh, with, with trying to run a kingdom anyway. This is not something that we have the, the, the power, the wisdom, the knowledge, the ability to do. We have a great king. Why wouldn't we just leave it to him? Amen? You know what? There, there are a lot of people in this world that are walking through this life and they're struggling with the everyday cares of their life and it's because they're not turning it over to the king. There might be one of you that are here tonight that you're struggling with something that has been an incredibly difficult scenario in your life and it's because you're trying to bear that burden alone. And I'm telling you tonight that the Lord says that, that he calls us to come unto him. Why? All ye that labor and that are heavy laden and you will find rest under your soul. Amen? And so... The Lord is a much better king than we are. I, I think of the passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that said, uh, unto, a child, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, yes. not ours, right. upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be count, called yes. Counselor. His name yes. shall be called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it, uh, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Dear friend, if we have a king like that, why in the world would we ever mess around with him? Amen. Amen. The psalmist would say in Psalm chapter 47 and verse 8, God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. In Psalm chapter 9 and verse 7, the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. Yeah. Lamentations chapter number five, thou, O Lord, remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. And oh, blessed friend, we, we think about Isaiah. He saw that throne, didn't he? Yeah. He said, I, I looked into heaven and I saw one that was high and lifted up. Amen. Yeah. And where was he at? He was sitting on his throne, wasn't he? That's right. Isaiah looked up and he saw one on the throne. Moses saw the Lord there on his throne. We know that Daniel saw him on the throne. We just read about John uh, who saw him on the throne. And the one that sat on the throne was Almighty God. Amen? Amen. And uh, I believe also, dear friend, that, that this, uh, this throne was not only seen by each of these, but it was also saw by Satan. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because Satan saw the same throne that they did. That throne that Isaiah saw and worshipped, Satan saw that throne and he wanted it. He wanted it for himself. He wanted to descend or to ascend the throne for himself and he said, I will exalt 
my throne. And today, I believe that that's what happens oftentimes in our lives, that we look with, at our lives with the same pride that Satan had, and we say, I will, instead of thy will. Lord, I'm going to make this decision. I know that your word says that I ought not to be in this place, and I ought not to be doing this thing, but I'm going to do what I will do. I'm, uh, Lord, I'm not going to be in your house when I need to be in your house. I'm not going to be faithful in giving the way that you've called me to be. I'm not going to help my neighbor. I'm going to be faithful when I'm in the church house, but when I go to work on Monday morning, I'm going to be just like the rest of the guys. Uh, Lord, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do my will. Yeah. What a shame. You see, we learn from Proverbs chapter 16 that the throne is not established in selfishness. It's established in righteousness. Amen. Amen. And if you need a little bit of help understanding that tonight, let me just break it down to us real easy. We don't have any apart from Jesus. That's right. <laughs> we don't have any apart from Jesus. There's only one who is righteous. There's only one that can establish uh, the true throne, and he will one of these days and will reign there forevermore. Christ, I want to be very clear with you tonight. That Christ is not currently on the throne of heaven. He's not currently there on the throne of heaven. God the Father is. But he will be. Amen. And, and, and listen to me. Even though Christ is not currently on the throne of heaven. He ought to be currently on the throne of our hearts. Amen. And I'm reminded that God can see our hearts. And I just wonder here tonight as we're gathered here, if, if we could see into our hearts the way God can, yeah. what would we see? Mm. Listen, we're all good at playing church. We walk in the church house on Sunday morning, we give everybody a big smile, and we begin to shake hands. If we've done something that we think might be somewhat good or righteous to the week, we'll be sure to tell somebody about it while we're in church. And we tell people that Jesus Christ is on the throne of our lives. Yes. Yeah. Some of us are cutting out of work a half an hour or an hour early. Some of us are trying to find ways to cheat on our taxes. Who's on the throne? Yeah. Some of us are reading our Bibles when people are around, but when people go away, we're on our computers, our televisions, our phones. We're watching things that aren't fit for anybody to watch, let alone a child of God. Let me ask you a question. Who's on the throne? Yeah. Amen. It's good. In our relationships that we have, the way that we treat people, the choices that we make, the way we steward the things that God has given us, who's on the throne? Yeah. I'm telling you here tonight that the devil's number one plan from the very beginning has been to try to take the throne away from the Lord. Right. And you know what he's found? He can't do it. Yeah. I, I heard somebody that was talking this morning in our Sunday school class. He said, I love reading all the stories that we have in the Bible and all the scriptures that we have and how the devil comes up with all these plans and how they always turn out for good, for the Lord. Amen? He can't take the throne. Right. Do you know what he can do? He can try to get you to follow him where he's going. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
He'll do that. He'll try to convince you also that you can take the throne, that you can somehow be a Christian, uh, that, that you can call yourself by the name of Jesus, but you can go on and make all the choices you want and do all the things that you want to do. And in the end, it's just all going to wash out. But I'm telling you that God sees our hearts. He sees our lives. He knows what is going on. And God will not be mocked. And man from the very beginning has fought for thrones. All the way back to the very beginning, we see man fighting for the throne. And I just wonder here tonight, are you struggling with a throne? Are you struggling with the throne in your life? You see, the main thing and the plain thing about the book of Revelation. I know that there's a lot of prophecy in this book. I know there's a lot of history in this book and all those things. But I want you to know that the main thing is the, what's it called? The revelation of what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what you need to understand, if you haven't read the end of the book yet, is it ends with him on the throne. That is where he is going to be. And we already read here in the earlier parts of chapter 4 that the throne is already set. It's already set. Jesus Christ will have that throne. And so any effort that you're making for somebody other than Jesus to be on that throne is absolutely futile. And it's not going to turn out the way that you want it to. I want to tell you today, listen to me. That no matter how bad things are, you might be struggling here tonight. You might look out at the world and all the terrible things that are happening. I know those things are true. I know that they're real. But Jesus Christ is at the throne. Amen? Amen. That's true with all the bad things. I want to tell you tonight that no matter how good things are, you might, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't here tonight because they think they don't need the Lord Jesus Christ. Things are fine with me. I've got all the money I need. I've got all the stuff I need. I've, I've got everything. I'm doing okay. Listen, it doesn't matter how good things are. Jesus Christ is at the throne. Amen. Revelation 21.5 And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things yes. new. Yeah. And said to him, Right, for these words, Brother Mike already said it, yeah. are true Amen. and faithful. Amen. Amen. There is only one person that can take the scroll. Yeah. And listen to me. There's only one person that can take our sin. And there is only one that is worthy to sit upon the throne. And by the way, if you're familiar with your Bible, you remember that he has two thrones. One of them is called the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat. The throne. You know, I've heard somebody say one time that they were with a a, a fellow and and this guy started praying. And he said, oh, God, we pray that you would grant us to be able to stand at your great white throne. He said, buddy, don't pray that for me. I don't want to be. I don't want to be standing there at his great white throne. I don't want to be at that throne. I want to be at the other throne. Amen. I want to be at the throne where we're being rewarded for uh, the things that we've done for Christ. Amen. And I can tell you, whether you realize it or not, you don't want to be at that throne either. There is nobody that wants to be found at the great white throne. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the people that are there will cry out for Him to hide us from the face of He who sits upon the throne. Adonijah, who was the attempted king, he fought for that throne the rest of his days. And I want you to know that it cost him his life. The Bible tells us that he died clinging to the horns of the altar 
and not sitting on the seat of the throne. Cost him his life. He never did get that throne. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus Christ is not on the throne of your heart, how do you think this is going to end? How do you think it's going to end? You think this is going to work out for you, friend? I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the only one who has the right to sit upon that throne. And if you'll look back here, actually, at the end of chapter 3, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door. After this, he talked, by the way, we don't have time to go into it tonight, but chapter 4 is the rapture of the church. You don't read about the church in the book of Revelation ever again until the last couple of chapters. Amen. And Jesus says, I'm already at the door. Yeah. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and he will sup with, I will sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcometh Brother Mike, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. He says, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. The throne is not mine yet. It belongs to my father, but he's going to give it to me. Amen. The the father is going to give the throne to the son and the son invites overcomers to sit with him on the throne just as Jesus does with his father. And you, you know what an overcomer is? The very definition of that word that's used there in the Greek is a person who has won a legal battle. Yeah. Mm. And friend, you know what? You know what that's a picture of? The only way I know of because every single one of us are guilty. Whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world would be guilty before God. Amen? We're all guilty. The only way I know of for somebody to win a a legal battle with the Lord is to settle out of court. Amen? And we have one named Jesus that has paid our price, uh, that is willing uh, to, uh, to take that penalty for us. And we can be an overcomer. And the Bible says right after this that he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Isn't that interesting? He that hath an ear, let him hear. Not, uh, not to the world. To the church. Do you understand that? To he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Who's on the throne? Who's on the throne of your life and on the throne of your heart? And Christian, listen to me. The throne's not big enough for two people to sit on. It's just a one-seater. Amen. You might have heard, I don't think there's anybody old enough here today to remember, that King Edward VIII, he was the king of England, all the way back in 1936. His father had died and he had become king. And King Edward did something that that hadn't been done in a very long time. He abdicated the throne. 
You know what that means? That means that he renounced the throne. He gave it up. And, and you know why he gave up the throne? Because he'd rather give up the throne than to be without the one that he loved. He'd rather give up the throne than to be without the one that he loved. And so he gave up that throne so that he could marry that young lady that he loved. And I'm telling you what, I I have struggled with pride in my life, but I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'd rather give up that throne uh, than be without the one that I love. Amen? That throne, is, is it's not a place for me to sit anyway. Anytime that I've tried to sit there, I've not been able to handle it. And I'm telling you what, we have such a great high priest. He does such a great job with it that we can turn it over to him. And we don't have to worry about these things. And, and we know that we should not claim a throne, but the good news is that we can come to one. Amen. And this is what we find in Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly. Yes. Where? To the throne of grace. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, now I will say this to every sinner. That though he should think himself to be the worst sinner who ever lived. Cry out to the Lord and seek him while he may be found. A throne of grace is fitted for you. A throne of grace is fitted for you. By simple faith, go to your Savior, for He is the throne of grace. He is the throne of grace. Friends, I'm so thankful that we have a high priest who is seated there at that throne. A throne that we don't deserve to come to. We have no right to that throne. We don't even have a right to approach that throne, let alone sit on it. Amen? But through and by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access to that throne. And when we get there, I'm glad it's not called a judgment seat, aren't you? I'm glad it's called a mercy seat where God dwells. Where we can find mercy and help in time of need. My prayer that when we get to that place is we won't stand, but we'll sit. We'll kneel there before that place. That we won't want, but we will worship. And that we will cry out with all of those of all the ages that we read about there in Revelation chapter 5. Saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.